This morning, we're going to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And uh, why don't you open us in prayer? You still remember how to do that? Yeah? That mic, yeah? You got me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this family that you have put together, Lord. And thank you for your sovereignty this morning. You uh, knew that each person would be sitting in this room. And I know that your spirit is ready to speak what each person needs to hear, Lord, through your living word, uh, through your servant, my dad, who submitted to you, Lord. We just pray that your spirit would have its way in this room right now, Lord. As we listen, would our hearts be open to what you want to speak to us. Thank you for the glory of Jesus Christ and how you share it with us, Lord. We love you. We're glad to be here, and we want to hear what you have to say. So speak to us, Lord, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, son. And I noticed my wife moved over, and the danger about that is she does this a lot. Which I don't listen to. But Pastor Sandy said that his wife does the same thing to him, gives him the shut up sign. So I think it's a, an anointed thing that pastors deal with. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Our ushers will pass out Bibles. We want you to follow along. Hey, listen, if you don't own a Bible, this one is yours to keep. It's a gift from the Lord. We want you to read it. We want you to know it. We want you to be established in it because this is what saves lives. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get you one. And uh, you'll join us there in the Gospel of John. Uh, and we'll be in chapter 1 this morning. Now, I'm not going to go too elementary on you, because I know you know this. I know that you're a well-taught church. I know there are many of you that have been through this Gospel before with us. Um, or you've been through it at another church. So let's talk about some of the highlights. Um, and for you note-takers, I'm going to go fast. Uh, we'll put some stuff on the screen, but you can listen to this sermon again later if you want some of those uh, details. It's my opinion, well, it's fact, but it's my opinion that John received more revelation, not talking about the book of Revelation, but more revelation from Jesus Christ for this gospel than any other writer of the New Testament, with the exception of Paul. John really didn't see anything with the church. Jesus wasn't breaking anything down with the church, but he saw more. Paul got more about the church and the rapture, things that the prophets uh, you know, the scribes, none of the uh, apostles ever knew anything about. Paul got that, and he, he gave it to us. But when it comes to John, you remember there was at the Last Supper, Jesus says, man, he's heavy-hearted. He said, one of you is going to betray me. Now, it's almost, it almost seems, and we get a picture in our mind that Jesus goes, you know, when they go, who is it, Lord? And Jesus goes, it's the one who dips after me. Like, how stupid are these guys that they didn't see the one that dipped after Jesus? And then he gets up, go do what you do quickly. And somehow we think that these guys, well, they were just really dumb. No, 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 no. I think the picture there, and we're going to get there in 19 chapters, but listen, I think what happens is, I think it's John the cousin of Jesus, not just John the Baptist being a cousin, but John also. He's the youngest of the apostles, but he's the one, remember that it says that he leaned back against Jesus when they were reclining there at the table to eat. And I think it's John that goes, Lord, who, who is it? And I think it's there that he says only to John, it's the one who dips after me. And seeing Judas dip after him and then dip out, John must have been like, are you kidding me? And it's Peter that goes, who? What did he say? I want to know. I got a sword. 
about to use it in the garden. You'll see. So I think he gets these kind of revelations from Jesus that were spoken to him and not spoken to anybody else. Uh, we know that he's, he's seen things. You know, the whole adventure with Jarius, and I'm not, I don't want to give away the whole gospel just yet. Uh, the, the widow's son, the Mount of Transfiguration. John was allowed to look behind the curtain, so to speak, and saw incredible things. He's the last to write his gospel, the last one. We know that Matthew's gospel was written primarily to the Jews. We know that Mark's gospel was primarily written to the Romans. Luke, the physician, Luke, well, he wrote to the Greeks. But it's John. The Lord Jesus Christ uses John to write to the whole world. Now listen, here's what you need to know. When it comes to John, again, he's the last of the writers of the Gospels. Many of the commentators, theologians, they say that he wrote this someplace between 85 and 90 A.D. I personally disagree. Am I wrong? I could be wrong in my disagreement, but I don't think I am. I think the more scholarly position holds that he wrote this in probably 67 or 68. It's after the death of Paul. It's after the death of Peter. He's the last surviving apostle. They're all gone. He's it. And then he writes his gospel. But he doesn't write his gospel in a way that is known as one of the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. No, he writes his gospel a little different. He fills in the blanks. Jesus, he lets us know that Jesus is Almighty God. And he makes note of that over and over and over again to the point that we have to get the point, that we have to understand. Because if you read the other Gospels, you'll understand that Jesus is God. But when you read the Gospel of John, man, you know that you know that you know. So he writes this, listen, gang, in about a fourth grade learning level. It's the, it's the level of a fourth grader, which was pretty good at the time. I think there's about 650 different words that he employs. He writes 21 chapters for us in the English, 21 chapters, 879 verses, 19,099 words. Again, all at a fourth grade level. One of the things that uh, one of the things that I love that he wrote, it, it, it's one of those promises that's in Scripture, man, that I hang on to because it's mind-boggling. You know, he writes this gospel, he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, then he writes Revelation. But in one of those verses, he, you remember he says that, that Jesus said, and he was in the presence when he said that we, we, his people, would do greater things than even Jesus did. I think it's John 14. That we would do greater things. That, that was mind-boggling to me. Lord, you did some pretty incredible things. You're going to do greater things. And that's the promise that is given to all of us, that we'll do greater things than Jesus. We'll win more souls than Jesus ever won. We'll, we'll see more converts. We'll see more miracles. We will see more prophecy laid out before us than any generation ever, gang. And that's happening right now. Right now, we're watching the prophecies that had been closed for so many years. It didn't seem like anything new was happening. All of a sudden, this one's going, and this one's going, and this one's going, and this one's going. And it's just, wow, Lord, what time is it? The book of Revelation, it says, man, that, you know, things are starting to speed up. Man, the word employed, tacos, as that we get our word for tachometer. Well, if you're, if you're a gearhead, if you're a motorhead, if you know about engines, man, this would be like, you know, 
a, uh, an eight-cylinder motor, but it's running at about 7,800. It's about to blow. This world is about to blow. This thing is, the thing is going to blow open very, very soon. And we see that, listen, we see it everywhere. You can't turn to any part of the news, whether it's American politics, American crime, wars in the Middle East, earthquakes, famines, pestilence. Listen, I do not recommend that you go to the disease uh, center for the world. And I'm not talking about the who, right? They're a retired rock group. Nobody should turn to them. <laughs> what I'm saying is be careful the source you, cho you choose. But there are health organizations uh, that are not government-owned. And if you look at the list of new diseases that have been discovered, they've always been around. They just never contracted from human to human before until now. Listen to me. It will make you live inside a bottle of Purell. It'll scare you to death. But Jesus told us this is one of the signs of the end times, which means that we're going to see it. We're going to see this sign happen. We're going to see all of these things take place. These are just, listen, for those of you who are pregnant, I don't know if we have anybody pregnant right now, but if we do, God bless you. We're happy for you. But soon, you won't be happy. And then you will be happy. You know what I mean? Birth pains are going to start coming on. Labor pains are going to come on. You're going to want to grab your husband by his tie and whack him one. It just happens. Right? Things are going to get crazy. And then the delivery. And we will be delivered. It, it's a beautiful picture. I love that the Lord uses that. Like a woman, man, in travail. Um, I got to make sure I stay on the highway here. I almost got off at an exit. Sorry. Now, before we break into uh, verse 1, let me, let me break down the entire Gospel of John in this format. Jesus gave opportunity for those around him to know him. Case in point, Jesus presented himself to his disciples, to all the disciples, not just the 12. We see there's 120 he presented himself to those disciples in chapter 1, verse 19, through chapter 2, verse 12. He presented himself to the Jewish people, to the Jews, uh, verse two, uh, chapter 2, rather, verse 13, through 3 and 36. Now, this is me just going through here and writing these notes down, uh, and I do that so it kind of breaks down the gospel for you. He, he basically gives opportunity for the Samaritans to know him in chapter 4, 1 through 54, he gives opportunity for the Jewish leaders, and some of them accepted him, but most did not. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 47. Then finally, he gave an opportunity for the multitude to know him. Chapter 6, verse 1 through 71. Now, that would be good if that's how it ended, but it doesn't. We know that he gets opposition by the Jewish leaders from chapter 7 through 12. They, they want to have conflict with him over Moses. They want to have conflict with him over Abraham. Again, Moses chapter 7, and Abraham it's chapter 8. They want to have conflict with him over the, who, who the Messiah is. He's the Messiah. They want to have conflict. They want to have a war of words, chapter 9, uh, 1 through 10 and 42. They want to have conflict over his miraculous powers saying that you get this power because of a devil. That's chapter 11, 1 through 12, 36. And that they would not believe on him. They have conflict with him over that, chapter 12, 37 through 50. What's the outcome of all of this? Well, the outcome is this, chapters 13 through 21. We break this, again, we break the gospel down into three huge sections. We see the faith of the disciples 13 through 17. We see the Jews' unbelief, chapters 18 and 19. But then we see the victory in John chapter 20 and 21. So these three main sections is how this whole thing 
breaks down. We're told uh, in John chapter 20 that there's a purpose. Uh, there's a purpose for this gospel. He says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Again, Jesus would be the one to say, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, or through me, or because of me. There's no life. Everybody wants to live forever. Nobody wants to go to hell, let's be honest. Uh, even criminals don't want to go to hell. But we have to understand that there is no life apart from Jesus Christ. He's the only way to get saved. He's the only one that we can trust in. We don't have to have it all figured out. You don't even have to know your Bibles from, from Genesis to Revelation. But you need to know the one it was written about, the one it was written for, and the one that the Bible tells us is the very living Word of God. He said, heaven and earth, it's all going to pass away. You know what's not going to pass away? My Word. Yeah. My Word. Why is it important that you read? Why is it important that you study? Because it's His Word. It's Him. You can't open up another book where the author is present with you. You open up the Bible, the very author is with you, sitting next to you, inside of you, making sense for you. Now listen, if you say, well, I read it and I just don't understand. Well, you need to pray, first off. You need to be saved. The unsaved person cannot understand the things that are written in Scripture. You know, well, I'm saved. I still don't get it. Well, if you're trying to read when you have like five minutes before you have to run out the door for work, yeah, I can see why you have an issue. When's the last time you actually set some time apart and said, Lord, this time is for you. Lord, I want to see you. Lord, would you meet me right here? And admit, Father, these things are, are too great for me. I, 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 how do I even begin? But Lord, you said you'd give me your Holy Spirit, and I trust that. And if you'll give me your Holy Spirit right now to understand these things, Lord, Lord, well, I, I believe that you can do that. And then begin to read. And listen, if you read three paragraphs but only come up with one little understanding, listen, that we call a nugget. You got a nugget out of it. Now what you can do on your way to work is go listen to a teaching, whether it's one of mine in, in, in my library or someone else's. Man, go to prepareyetheway.org, uh, and you can grab one of the teachings there from one of those teachers. These are trusted, reliable sources, guys that, man, I have vetted or personally know that I know they tell the truth about Scripture. They're not manipulating it. And, and listen, and listen to a teaching. Listen to it on the way to work. Listen to it again on the way home from work. I'm going to tell you right now, don't look at me because, oh, he went to seminary. He's a real smart guy. No, no, no. I went to cassette deck. You understand? I listened to cassettes for years and years and years. I went into a book and I wanted to know about that book. I listened to Chuck Smith. Then I, I listened to uh, uh, Swindoll for a while. Uh, then Ken Graves. Guys that I could, man, trust. And those guys, and all of those guys have completely different personalities, but it's not about the personality. It's about the Word of God. I don't care about the delivery. I want the pure Word of God. I want, I want you to tell me what this means. And as I prayed through it, all of a sudden I have understanding. And then you get to a point one day where you start reading things, and you have complete understanding of things, you go, wow, how, how did this happen? To the point that even my pastor at the time said, bro, you have an incredible understanding into the Word of God. Who taught you this? I said, yeah, I, I don't know. It was the Holy Spirit beginning to take over. That's not exclusive to me. That's given to all of us. If you'll take him at his word, if you'll trust him, he'll do it. Are you serious? John chapter 1, verse 1. Wow. In the beginning. 
Now, where have we heard that before? How do I go any further? Here. There's the teaching for today. Let's just, let's just start with a fresh sheet right here. Uh, Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, is it, does it blow anybody else's mind that John would start out the same way? No, he's trying to prove a point. What he's going to tell us is, listen, not only is Jesus Lord, Jesus is creator. He is fully God, and he is fully man. And he gives it to us right here, right here. And if you have a Jehovah's Witness background or you know somebody who is, this is where they short circuit. And I'm going to tell you right now, maybe you even have one of the Jehovah's Witnesses Bibles. I'm starting to cook up here. Listen. Maybe you have one of their Bibles and you go, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Listen, can't prove that anywhere. And here's the thing. Jehovah's Witnesses for years would never tell you who were their translators. Never tell you. It was a kept secret. Finally, after so much pressure, they listed three individuals who, I'm not going to name them by name. I have, I have it. I can give you those, those resources. You want to take a look at it yourself, but it's hilarious. And, and the reason I want to do it, I'm, I, I don't want to shame them any more than they are shamed already. But they named three sources of scholars that interpreted Scripture and said, it says, a God. All three of those individuals say, no, 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 no. They misquoted us. We never said that. It's obvious that you can't have that vowel there, and it doesn't work out in the Greek if you possibly tried to twist it. And it was all of a sudden they had egg on their face. And then they said, no, no, but here in the Awake magazine, they want to get you away from their scriptures because they know their scriptures are tainted and they're wrong. They're just plain old wrong. And be careful. Be careful. My dad was duped for years, 20, 20 plus years by the Jehovah's Witnesses duped to believing a lie, trusting men. Like, if he would have known, I know, listen, my dad, he liked truth. The guy was a righteous dude when it comes down to it, you know? He had his issues, he had his flaws, but he loved righteousness. Had he known that he had been lied to for that many years, he, he only got saved on his deathbed. He got saved on his birthday, his last birthday, and I was able to lead him to the Lord. Had he known that he had been lied to and duped, there wouldn't be a building in Brooklyn that they have for, a, 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 you know, a headquarters. That would have been gone. He'd have lost it. Well, he knows now. He knows now. And I can't wait to see him in heaven and go, told you so. Anyway, uh, maybe not. Maybe I'll be fixed by then. Anyway, in the beginning was the word. Again, not the rhema, not the spoken understanding of the word, it's not the rhema word, it's the logos, the logos of the word, okay? The written word of God. In the beginning was the written logos, and the word was with God. If I had to translate this out in the Greek without putting a whole bunch of Greek words, here's how it reads out, okay? Jesus was the very Word of God. Now listen, and the Word was with God. The Word was in the heart of God. That's what he's saying. That He is the Word, and the Word is Jesus Christ. You have a problem with the Bible? You have a problem with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We must understand this. Well, I don't agree with all of it, some of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Well, what part do you have a problem with? And they never really want to answer that. Well, the problem that they have is a heart issue. It's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. They don't want to submit. The Word was with God, listen, and the Word was God. When you break this down in the Greek, it's beautiful because it says God was the word. In the English, we can't write it out that way, but here it says, and the word was God. Again, the plural, Elohim. 
the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father and Son, you have a duality, but we have a triune Godhead when you look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doing the functional work on this planet who we truly don't understand, right? I mean, we think that would be really awesome to hang out with Jesus. Jesus says, it's better if I go because something better is coming. And he sends his Holy Spirit. And we go, I don't want that. I want Jesus. No, no, we have something better. You do have Jesus. But now you have his Holy Spirit. And it takes up residency. It takes up residency. And it leads us. And it speaks to us. You know, just before we're about to do something stupid, it speaks to us. Do you really want to do this right now? I don't know. Something's telling me that I shouldn't do this right now. You know what I mean? He was in the beginning with God. Speaking of Jesus, was in the beginning with God. You know, you go to Genesis 1 and 1. You don't have to turn there. It says there, in the beginning, God. Again, and it's God, Elohim, the plural for God. Here it's singular, God. But in the Hebrew, it's Elohim, the plural of God. We have a Godhead. Elohim, uh, created. Again, the word bara in the Hebrew, meaning created from nothing. He took nothing and made something, which is totally contrary to us. We take something and we make nothing. And he created, listen, from nothing, the heavens and the earth. Made the heavens and the earth. What's it saying? Listen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Look at verse 3. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And again, that, that verb is, uh, for made is in the perfect tense, which means it's a completed work, nothing else being made, nothing else new. Everything was done. Everything was created within those six days, and it was a done and completed work. Again, the, the perfect tense in that verb. So it's telling us here that Jesus Christ is creator, creator. So it's one thing to say he's God, but now he's also God and creator. And Lord, man, let me tell you something. The world's opinion of Jesus Christ must go up a whole lot, man. Jehovah's Witnesses, again, robbing Jesus Christ of his deity. You know, the Mormons do this to some extent. And every world religion does the same thing. Some of the newer translations of Scripture, uh, some of the things that they call a Bible that aren't translations at all, like the message, they steal, they rob Jesus of his deity, his equality, who did not consider it robbery to be known to be equal with God. Why? Because he was God right? He was there in the beginning. In other words, it all started with him. Jesus Christ is not a created being. He's God. Well, where did he come from? You're going to the wrong church if you want that answer. That, my, my, I am, that's way above my pay grade. I don't think, we, listen, we could live eons and eons and eons, and we'd never find that question out. I don't think our minds would ever be big enough to understand where, where God came from right? I mean, some of you have issues unlocking and starting up your car. I mean, let's just be honest here, right? I mean, all things were made through him. Let me take you to John chapter, John chapter 10 for a second. You'll have a lot of arguments. People will tell you, Jesus never claimed to be God. He never claimed that. That's just something that you people like to say. The Bible never says that he created anything. Jesus would say, have you not read? John chapter 10, look at the 24th verse. Verse 24 says, 
Then the Jews, they surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly, if you are the Messiah, if you're the chosen one, if you're the son of God, that's what that means. If you're the Messiah, man, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them and said, I told you, and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Ooh, as I said to you. Now, if you're not of his sheep, what he's saying is you're going to hell. If you're not of Jesus' sheep, you've got to be of his sheepfold or you're headed to hell. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Verse 27, I love this verse. I find it so comforting. Listen, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I pause. For all of you that have a hard time accepting your salvation, I think I'm saved. I don't think I'm saved. I think I was saved yesterday, but not today. Would you knock it off already? Your salvation never had anything to do with you, ever. If it was up to us for salvation, none of us would be saved. It wasn't up to us. It's up to him. And he chose us. Yeah, but I thought I chose him. Well, you did. Well, which one was it? I don't know. It was both. I, I can't figure that one out. I know I chose him, but then he says he chose me. But I know I had something to do with that decision making because I could harden my heart and say, I, I refuse to believe, as some of us are doing here this morning. I'll go to church, but yeah, I don't want too much of this. This is just, come on. You, you people are fanatics. And yet, listen, you call us fanatics, but yet first day of the football season, right? We'll look up in the stands and there will be people with painted faces, no shirt on. Oof. Listen to me. That's fanatical. This is loyalty. This is loyalty. Your salvation never had anything to do with you in the first place. Accept, trust, and believe. Listen, this whole, this whole gospel boils down to this. Jesus is God, creator, Lord, and Savior. Believe, and you will live. Hey, that's the whole theme of this whole gospel. You'll believe and you'll live. This is what you need to tell your family, your friends, your neighbors. Man, just, just, just believe in him. Well, I don't know the whole Bible. Believe in him, that he is Lord. Just believe in him. He'll fill in the blanks, man. But you need to come. You need to repent of your sin. You need to lay it all down. Live for Christ. He'll save you. He'll spare you from the world that's coming, an impending wrath of God that will come upon the whole earth and those dwelling on it. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Then the Jews, they took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, many good works have I shown you uh, from my father. For which of these works do you want to stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you being a man, make yourself to be God. Oh, Jesus never said he was God. Well, the Jews that heard him in that day thought he did. They were fully convinced, this guy thinks he's God. It's, it's funny how 2,000 years uh, removed and all of a sudden we don't want to read scriptures, we don't trust in the scriptures anymore. Oh, and Jesus never said that. And yet, how many people believe it? I mean, you, you see that guy on YouTube, right, uh, uh, who, who wins people to Christ with convincing arguments. What's his name? Yeah, Ray Comfort. And you hear the questions that Ray Comfort asks. These people have some of the most bizarre answers. And you go, where did they get that? 
well, you know, I do know that God is a woman and that God is like, wait, what? So now we have to unravel all that junk to get down to reality and truth. We'll go back. No, you know, don't go back yet. Go to, go to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews. I like Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews. This is, a, this is a good verse. Again, we're speaking of him being Lord and Savior. We're talking about him being creator. And I can take you to about eight or nine different scriptures this morning to prove this out. I think I can spare you. You know, maybe we'll have a study guide, and I'll give you those notes if you want to look them up yourselves. But here in Hebrews uh, uh, chapter uh, 1, Hebrews chapter 1, look what it says, verse 1. God who at various times... And in various ways, he spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Old Testament. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom uh, also he made the worlds. So if you catch that, he's appointed heir, but he made all the worlds through him who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image, listen, of his person, fully man, fully God, and upholding all things by the word of his power. What's that mean? God said, let it be. It's Jesus Christ. Let it be. Let it hold together until I say so. Thanks. And everything exists. Everything holds. Everything's in its place because of the power of his mouth, because he spoke it into existence. You losing me? This world all holds together. We hold together because Jesus says so. It says the day, in Peter it says the day is coming where all of these things will dissolve. With fervent heat, the elements will be dissolved. Why? Well, the Holy Spirit's taken out. Jesus says, no more. We're done. Let this system come to an end. When he had, listen, by himself purged our sins. By himself. Not a system. Not a religion. Not a way through. Not a 12-step program. Are you hearing me this morning? By Jesus Christ himself who hung on a tree hung on that cross at Calvary, taking the penalty for us, himself, creator God, taking the penalty for you and for me? I don't know about you, but when I think about that, man, that, that is some, as a, as a brother of mine used to say, boy, that is some heavy revy. How, how does the author of life trade places with me? How, how, how do I deserve that? How can I earn that? He himself purged our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. Let's go back to John. Chapter, go to Colossians. Go to Colossians. Colossians 1. I get excited. I'm sorry. I get excited. Colossians 1 and, uh, and, and, and verse 16. If you're, if you're not sure, Jesus created everything. Wasn't that God, that Father that did that? Listen, 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 listen. Colossians 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, Invisible, you know, like all of a sudden when something like falls in your closet and you're in, at home alone and you go, don't fear, Jesus created it. Yeah, but I don't want it. Don't worry about it. You're greater. You're greater than it. <laughs> Please no emails about that. Please. <laughs> Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him, for him. Jesus created it all. 
please, let's get our theology straight. Let's believe and know what we believe, okay? Who created Satan? Jesus Christ. And Satan wasn't convinced when he was tempting Jesus. Remember that? Go with me to Matthew. I'm just starting to have fun. You know what? You go to John. Let me just read this one. I'm in one verse. I'm going to lay you off the line. One verse. Listen, it's in Matthew chapter 4. It's the seventh verse. Satan is tempting him. He's trying to beat him down. Satan's not convinced who he is. Look what he says. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And it's almost like Satan goes, what, 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 you're going to use that verb? What, what are you saying to me? Then he says he took him up to a high place. And now he's convinced, wait a minute, this is the Messiah? And it says he left him for a more opportune time. When was that? Listen, I believe, based on Scripture, it's three years later. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Satan shows up. Don't go to the cross. Come on, you don't have to do this. Come on, you're the son of God. Let somebody else die. And listen, honestly, those people aren't worth it. You don't have to die like this. I mean, you've read it, Psalm 22. It's going to be horrible. Why would you do that to yourself? And Jesus, listen, being fully man, right, same nature as us. Man, he's scared. He's scared, and he should be. The brutality that was going to come at the cross, but more than that, he was going to lose his connection to the Father for the very first time in all of world history as we know it. And that scared him to death. John chapter 1. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made including the person sitting next to you. And, and how is this? Well, verse 4 tells us that in him was life. Life itself, the very center of life and everything that creates us was in Jesus Christ. When he blew into the dirt, it's life. Our DNA, all our cells, he blows into that dirt. And here we go. Now listen. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light, listen, shines in the darkness, and the darkness, darkness did not comprehend it. Maybe a better translation. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot comprehend it, better spoken, cannot overcome it, cannot understand it. Darkness, demons, cannot understand the light, cannot overcome the light. In the same way, if you walked into a pitch dark room, you know, I have a baseball bat next to my desks, home in here. Why? Because I like to beat things? No, no, no. I like to think with a bat in my hand. It helps me kind of just focus my attention on my teaching. And I'll just go over the verses. I'll be speaking, and I'll just hold a bat, and I'll swing a bat, and it just it helps me to focus. But what if I took that same bat, I walk into a dark room, and I go, I'm going to beat the darkness, and I start swinging. A, I'm going I'm to break everything my wife owns, right? I don't own it. She owns it all. I'll be dead. It's all hers anyway. So listen. I'm just going to be swinging for air. Now, I can do that until I'm exhausted and have a heart attack, right? Pass out. Or I can just flip on the light. You flip on the light, darkness is gone. When you walk into a lighted room, where's the darkness? Where's the darkness in here, right? Darkness has to hide. It's why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then with Jesus living in us, listen, he says that you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Wherever there's darkness, let's just bring light. The darkness has to flee. The darkness has to go. 
That is our job on this earth, to bring light, to bring salt to a dying world around us. Yeah, the world is dark. Are you making a difference? Right? And then what happens if you let your light go out because of partying and carousing and, and, and just acting the fool? Then what chance do those people around you have of getting saved if there's no light? If everything's dark, you notice what happens at night, right? All the crime seems to happen after like 8 p.m. In the winter, a little earlier. Why? Darkness loves that environment, right? You see what happens in clubs. Darkness loves, you don't go to a club and, you know, or a bar and they have bright lights in there. No, no, why? Why? Because sinners like darkness, they don't walk into a bar, huh? Yeah, let me get a bud. Why is it so bright in here? Oh, it's because of Jesus. Forget the bud, man. Right? No, but you walk into a bar, especially on a sunny day, you walk into a bar. I remember, you walk into a bar, and like you, like you can't, your eyes are not adjusted yet. You're running into bar stools, you're banging into things. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? Until you get your bearings. And then what happens? Then you just join a world in depravity and just start pounding. The world loves darkness. We have come. Jesus came, gave us light. We've come now into the world that we are living in, our jobs, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our church, and we're to burn bright for Jesus Christ, man. I'm not talking about a little matchstick. I'm, I'm talking, man, 40,000 watt bulb, bright, bright, some of us are brighter than others. I don't mean intelligence. You know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, you, people walk in the room, they barely know that you're a believer. I don't ever want that to be said about me. I want to walk into a room and I want people to go, dude, turn it off, man. You know what I mean? I want people to know who I belong to. I want them to know our neighbors. We know the ones that are saved. They look to our house and they wave. The ones that are not saved don't want to even have conversation with us. Oh, we have a sign in the front about Jesus right in front of our house. And we, we live out loud. They, they drive by on Sunday. They think we have church. They think I'm a pastor at home because we have so many cars all over. Our, is, is that a Bible study? No, it's called family. God just gave us a big family. And everybody comes over and they see all the cars. They think we're doing church can you do church in this neighborhood, you know? Well, I, want, I want to live out loud. We got three minutes. Wow. All right, we're going to get to the end of the chapter in three minutes. <laughs> Believed no one. I can't do it. I can't, I can't touch the next verse. It's too good. I, I can't. But here's what I want you to know. Jesus is the true source of light. The darkness is every, everywhere. We're not called to take on darkness. We're not called to fight darkness. We're called simply to be the light. Just be the light. Allow Jesus to shine through you. Can you do that? Yeah. Right? And, and what's he telling you? What's he telling you? We, by the end of this book, that ain't Jesus calling. Break it. I promise you, break it. Listen, we're going to get into an amazing gospel, all right? Today, more of an introduction. Understand, these men, some of them younger, some of them some boys, some of them old crusty fishermen, they would come to love this guy. They followed him. They laid down everything, gave up everything. They gave up any material wealth. They gave up a lifestyle. They gave, some gave up families to follow Jesus Christ. And when he died, and the way that he died, even though he told them so, their hearts were broken. You know, I, I can't imagine what it was like to be in their shoes. I, I try to put myself there sometimes. I'm, I can't get there. I, I would have probably died in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, 
I know, I know they all ran, and so chances are I would have run, but I'm not a runner. Too fat. I'd rather stand there and fight. I, I'd, I'd have gladly laid down my life. Not Jesus' plan. He's not doing that. He would, have, he would have spared me out of it. He would have taken me out of it or given me a fear of these men that I would have run. I don't know. But I know this. As they were waiting for his return, thoughts must have entered their mind. Lord, how much longer? But they never, ever stopped being loyal. They never stopped telling a world about Jesus Christ. Jesus, all of a sudden, in the book of Acts, we'll look at it next week, all of a sudden he ascends. And all of a sudden, two angels show up and go, what are you guys gazing up at? And it's almost like, wait, that's it? He's been coming and going all this time. Are you saying this is it? We're not going to see him again? And he said, no, go do what he told you to go do. Listen, nothing's changed. For you and for me, nothing's changed. We are to do what he has told us to go do. And what was that? To go and make disciples. Go and make disciples, gang. Every chance you get, every opportunity you get, man, tell the world about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for, for your word. We thank you for this gospel. We thank you for your truth. Lord, have your way in this place. Speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name.